Welcome to ASRM Today, a podcast that takes a deeper dive into the current topics in reproductive medicine. Hello, I'm Jeffrey Hayes, and today on the show, we're speaking with Dr. Carol Lang, who is editor-in-chief of Endocrinology, the flagship basic science journal of the Endocrine Society. Dr. Lang is also professor of medicine and pharmacology at the University of Minnesota. Dr. Lang, welcome to the show. Hi, thanks for having me. For those of our listeners who might not know, can you tell us a little of the history of endocrinology? Sure. Endocrinology is a journal that started in 1917. So the Endocrine Society was formed in 1917. It was originally called the Association for the Study of Internal Secretions. It later became the Endocrine Society, I think, in the late 40s. And endocrinology was its first flagship journal starting in 1917. And since that time, the field has grown, (laughs) and there are now four major journals in the Endocrine Society. Endocrinology is really the home of the basic science surrounding the study of all endocrine systems, all the way from molecules, all the way up to cooperating systems and and, uh, whole organisms. And it's the study of these internal secretions, which are our hormones and, and how our glandular uh, organs communicate with each other. And so we also started a journal, the Endocrine Society started a journal called Molecular Endocrinology in the 80s. And that journal was merged back in with endocrinology in 2016. So now endocrinology includes molecular endocrinology, all of the topics that encompass molecules, cells, hormone receptors, and all of the, including all of the whole animal physiology that used to be honed in endocrinology. So now it's sort of one big umbrella that has all of that science. Now I've interviewed the editors-in-chief of Fertility and Sterility and all of their sister journals. So I know that people always email and ask us this when we're going to interview someone who's who's an editor-in-chief or somewhere along the line who sees a lot of the submissions. How frequently does the journal publish? And is it still paper-based or online or is it a hybrid right now, sort of in a transition? So we actually publish monthly and we are 100% online. And I think that that happened also some time ago, I think around 2016. We used to be print and online. We went hybrid for several years and now we're just online. For people that want to submit, obviously they would go to the website, but what's that process entail once they go to the website and, and sort of get into all of that? Yeah, so I think we have a pretty um, user-friendly website and you go on there and you can see, you know, instructions to authors and where you'll see our scope statement. What's really nice about our journal is if you're a member of the Endocrine Society, it's pretty low cost to publish in endocrinology. The other thing I really like about endocrinology, we don't have a page limit or a limit on the number of figures as long as the figures and data are original and mechanism-based, we are very happy to receive papers in all areas of endocrinology. There is no pre-submission process required, but it's optional. And then you basically can submit your paper in any format online, and it will be reviewed promptly. And this is a peer review process, correct? That's right. We usually have at least two peer reviewers, and we have a, a newer program in which we have early career reviewers, which often serve as a third reviewer. These reviewers are mentored by a a senior associate editor, and their comments are merely for training purposes. Two other reviewers are the the, the peer review reviewers. 
Do you know off the top of your head, like the acceptance rate normally or? We're aiming to accept by best practices. We usually accept around 25 to 30% of the papers we receive. Last year, we published uh, 210 articles uh, spanning all areas of endocrine research um, that were accepted for publication last year, for example. And that would represent about the top 25% or so of what we received. Wow, that's quite a number. That's that's very that's very encouraging and impressive. Um, I am speaking with Dr. Carol Lang, and we're talking with her about endocrinology, the flagship journal of the Endocrine Society. March is National Endometriosis Awareness Month. Dr. Lang, is there anything that the Endocrine Society is is planning for physicians and patients to help educate them on endometriosis? Yes, and I'm glad you asked. So there are numerous uh, things that we're doing. You may be aware that our annual meeting is taking place in March. This will be the second year in a row that it's virtual due to COVID. But we do have um, a really nice um, symposium featuring a talk on endometriosis, its genetics and epigenetics. And so that is scheduled for, I think, the first day of our annual meeting. And it is Dr. Sordar Bulam. MD will be from Northwestern, will be presenting a talk called Endometriosis, Genetics, and Epigenetics. That's on March 20th uh, at our annual meeting virtually. We also have other ways that we're promoting this. We have something called the Hormone Health Network, which has education um, and educational resources for endometriosis aimed at for patients and um, patient families and advocates. And so that's a patient education arm of the Endocrine Society. We also, on sort of on a more larger scale, the Endocrine Society is very focused on women's reproductive health, and we have a broader commitment to that. And as part of that, we are partnered with the Society for Women's Health Research, and we're co-hosting a congressional briefing on the importance of understanding the roles of sex and gender in research, particularly in basic science. And that will be also in the form of a virtual advocacy briefing to Congress. And it will talk about the importance of representing both genders in basic science research, because we know that there are some major differences with regard to endocrine diseases, for example. And finally, for endocrinology, we will be grouping and featuring articles on the topic of endometriosis. And um, those will be on Twitter, for example, on social media. So there's at least four ways that we're, I think, recognizing women's health and in particular endometriosis. You mentioned that this was the second, this will be the second year that y'all have done the virtual meeting ASRM. We just did our first virtual meeting in October and we found, you know, even with some bumps, it was still a fantastic success and people really seemed to enjoy it. How was the first year for y'all? You know, I think that we were proud of the Endocrine Society in the sense that they were quite agile. Our meeting is normally held in March. So we're set up many years in advance to have these meetings in person. And when COVID hit and it was clear that things were going to be shut down in early March, people were pretty on top of it as far as switching to a virtual program. The program was greatly truncated because it had to be, we didn't have much time to prepare. This year's program is much more expanded and 
many areas of endocrinology are represented. Um, and, you know, speaking for myself, I'm much more interested in the basic science of endocrinology. The Endocrine Society is an interesting society because it encompasses basic, translational, as well as clinical endocrinology. And it's really a tripartite society that has members from all three areas. And so this year's meeting has some really nice programming. There's whole days on reproductive endocrinology as well as nuclear receptors and signaling, which I'll be quite interested in. We also feature neuroendocrinology and diabetes and metabolism this year. So really have a nice program. So what is on the horizon then for endocrinology in 2021? Well, you know, as an incoming editor, I'm still kind of, you know, getting into this role. I am really excited about being in this role um, and representing the journal. I think the journal has this amazing legacy all the way back from 1917. And the journal has evolved to include everything all the way from molecular interactions in individual cells all the way to the organism as a whole. And I think what I'd like to see going forward is, is bringing, sort of bringing in a very strong uh, basic science component around hormone action at the level of the molecular transcription, transcription complexes, gene regulation, genetics, genomics, proteomics, uh, strong basic science and emerging technologies. I think the more depth we have of understanding how endocrine systems work at that level, the more we can leverage that information for better health, better treatments. And, and just this field is just still growing as fast as it always has been. And I, I'm excited about that. And I think what I'd like to do as editors really focus on the, the strength of our membership and our basic science around mechanisms of endocrine action at every level. And so I, I just hope to just bring more people into this fabulous field that way, especially young people and trainees. And I would really encourage our young people to consider submitting an article, research article, or a mini review um, to endocrinology because it is really a fantastic and stable home for endocrine research. And, and I, I welcome everyone to, to send me papers. And of course, we will put the website in our show notes so that listeners can click on the links and get to where they need to be and also also for submission process uh, as well. I have been speaking today with Dr. Carol Lang, the Editor-in-Chief of Endocrinology, the flagship journal of the Endocrine Society. Dr. Lang, thank you so much for being able to take time out of your very busy day to be on the show today. Thanks so much. It was a pleasure. I'm Jeffrey Hayes, and this is ASRM Today. This concludes this episode of ASRM Today. For show notes, author information, and discussions, go to asrmtoday.org. This material is copyrighted by the American Society for Reproductive Medicine and may not be reproduced or used without express consent from ASRM. ASRM Today series podcasts are supported in part by the ASRM Corporate Member Council. The information and opinions expressed in this podcast do not necessarily reflect those of ASRM and its affiliates. These are provided as a source of general information and are not a substitute for consultation with a physician.